really what that means is he knows what I need. And he's able to provide that or help with that or whatever it is. That's the way that he ministers to us by seeing what is your need. Let me meet that for you. Let me help you with that. So I know he's here. I know he's here to minister. The Lord just brought this uh, back to my mind just a few moments ago. Last Wednesday night, he, I, I was thinking, uh, the, the whole time the Elder Hart was ministering, uh, the Lord was replaying this uh, story, if you will, in my mind that I heard a preacher share recently. And I was just thinking, man, if he gives me the microphone, I'm going to tell everybody that story right now. And he didn't, and I didn't. And I didn't think about it anymore until just now. But let me, let me tell you this uh, story. There's a, a pastor who was talking about um, a contractor, a builder that he had in his church. And uh, this guy's uh, main occupation was to buy houses and fix them up and sell them. As that was his, his primary source of income was being a contractor in that regard. So he finished up a project, and it was time to get started on a new one. And he sees there's two different houses on the market that are both somewhat along the lines of what it is that he would be able to purchase and want to start working on to turn around and sell it. And he calls his pastor, and he says, Pastor, I've got these two houses. I, I need you to help me uh, decide which one I should do. Which one I need to, I can't do them both right now, but one of them, it's a little on the less expensive side, but that's because it needs a lot more work done to it. And, you know, I, I could buy that one and get into it pretty easily and um, do the work, turn around and sell it, but I just, I'm, I'm worried about how much work I have to do for that. And then there's this other house that's a little bit more expensive. It only needs a couple of minor uh, updates and, and changes to it. It's a little more expensive, but I wouldn't have to spend as much time on it. And I know I could turn around and sell it too. And, you know, I, that's, that's kind of my dilemma right now. And the pastor's first response was, have you prayed about this yet? And uh, I said, well, that's, no, I, that's why I called you, right? Because you're the one that prays. And the pastor says, well, I'll pray about it. But I'm only going to pray about it if you're praying about it. So we agree. We'll, we'll pray about it. We'll seek the Lord for a few days and figure out what it is. So the pastor prays about it. A few days goes by, and, and the guy calls him back again. Hey, pastor, it's me. Uh, you know, I'm ready to buy. I just don't know which one to buy yet. What, what do you think? And the pastor says, well, what have you felt? What are you thinking uh, along these lines? He says, well, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I forgot to tell you something. There was a competitor in, the, in my market, and I can tell you for sure he wants to buy that nicer house, the, 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 the newer one that's a little bit more expensive, doesn't require as much work. And if I don't buy it, he's going to buy it. And I know he's going to flip it. He's going to turn around and, and sell it because just that's that's just how it is. And I know he's he finished up a project. I finished up a project at the same time. And and the pastor says, "Well, did you pray about this?" "Yes, yeah, I prayed about it." 
what do you feel? Well, I, I feel like I'm supposed to get the, the lesser expensive one and, and, and do the work that, that I need to do to go into that. And Pastor Doug, that's exactly what I've felt all along since you first mentioned it. That's what I felt in prayer. So he goes through it, buys that house, the least lesser expensive one. Sure enough, the, his competitor buys the other one. And then he calls him back after a span of time when they've done the work that has to go, Pastor, I've got a praise report for you. Okay, let's hear it. I bought that house. It turns out it hardly needed anything done to it. All the list of things that they said it needs this and this and this. I mean, it was so minor. I got it done way faster and way under budget from what I thought I was going to do. And actually even sold more and made more money than I was planning to make off of that house. And guess what? The other house, the competitor bought it. When he, got, when he went in there to, to start trying to address the things that it needed, he realized this house was built with a certain kind of sheetrock from China that everybody in my industry knows you can't use. You're not supposed to use it. You can't, you can't do anything with it. It doesn't pass code. He had to knock that whole house down lost his entire investment of that house, and then everything else that he put into it was coming out of his pocket just to try and build another house in its place. So thank you, Pastor. Thank you for praying. For, thank you for telling me to pray about this. And that type of, a, that type of peace and, and that type of, uh, of wisdom that he garnered from that circumstance that's what we need. That's what, we, that's what we're wanting, each one of us, I believe. But remember, it started with the pastor saying, have you prayed about it? And, and he says, well, not, not yet. I was, I was talking with uh, Bishop a few days ago along the lines of prayer and um, just got to kind of explaining some of my approach to prayer, if you will, in, in some ways, in some regards. And um, through this process, he, he said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for me to pray anytime I feel like I'm supposed to pray. And I just, you know, I seek the Lord. I, I, if, I, if I'm looking after him, he's going to tell me, pray about this. And he says, I use this term or this phrase, alive unto God. Because if my spirit is alive unto God, then he's not going to have to like, hey, wake up, wake up. It's, wait, I need you. I need, I need you to pray. It's time to pray. Or, you know, I'm just out here doing my own thing, and I'm not in any way engaged and, and ready to pray. But no, my spirit is alive to God, ready to start praying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit of reading. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, I learned this a long time ago. The Paul, the writer of uh, much of this New Testament, including the book of Ephesians, he was the king of run-on sentences. What that means is you read a verse, but you're probably just going to pick up reading in the middle of a sentence uh, that, that Paul wrote because he, he had such uh, impression such direction. He just started writing, and he kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And before you know it, a whole chapter has gone by, and he's still working on this thought. 
And so here in Ephesians chapter 1, there's really only 20-something verses, but there's only a couple of sentences in here. You, you learn these things as you start to try and become responsible for preaching to other people and, and sharing scriptures with them. And you think, okay, i, I got to give them some scriptures. But as I'm looking at this scripture, he's like in the middle of something else. And I know everybody doesn't want to sit here and read three chapters and go home. <laughs> but let me show you. Let's start at verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. So he's writing here. This is his book to the church of Ephesus. And somewhere through the passage of chapter 1, we'll pick up here as he's talking to the church. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Remember, he started by saying the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. These are the things that I'm writing to you to help you with. I want your understanding to be enlightened along these lines. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Everybody say he raised him from the dead. And he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put, stop here for a second. And hath put all things under his feet. Everybody say all things. Everybody say pause. That's Greek for all things. He has put all things under his feet. So when he raised Christ up from the dead, he set him on the right hand of his power. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Everybody say all things. Everybody say pause. It's the same word, all things under his feet. And then he made him the head of all things to the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. That's me. I'm a part of this. I, he's put all things under Christ's feet and made Christ the head of all things to the church. So after a little over 30 years of my life, I've learned a few things about what we see as the church, all things to the church. Uh, well, we know there's music involved. That's part of the things to the church. We know there's prayer involved. That's part of the, there's witnessing, there's outreach, there's children's church, all these things to the church, and, and he's the head of them, right? All, everybody say all things. He's the head of all things to the church. Next verse. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
He's the head. He's the head of all things to the church. The church is his body. The church is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Raise your hand say, that's me. I am the church. The body. He's the head. I'm the body. Now, jump to chapter 2, verse 1. I'm the head, he's the head, I'm the body, right? He's the, he's the head of all things to the church. And then Paul writing here, he says, let's talk about this body for a second. That's you. You that opened this letter, that you're reading it, the people that you're reading it to, all of you. You hath he quickened. Everybody say quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins? I got to stop there for a second. Because when I think about, okay, all the things that I learned in the church, all the, all the church things, I think, well, you hear a Bible study or you learn the, the word of God and somebody preaches the gospel to you or he teaches the gospel to you. Step one, you get the revelation of truth who he is, step two, then you get the revelation, well, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, step three, and then Acts 2.38, you shall receive the Holy Ghost after you've been baptized, step four, okay, we got a a four-step plan to get to what I would call quickened, because I was dead in trespasses and sins, But now I'm quickened. He quickened me even though I was dead in trespasses and sins. And then I had to stop there and think, okay, what what was it that Bishop told me about being alive unto God? Because I know, I guarantee you, he would tell you he was not alive unto God starting that day that he first got baptized and received the Holy Ghost. There were further things that he had to learn along the way. Now, this is, this is where we could have fun and pass the mic around and debate a little bit about, okay, what happens if so-and-so gets baptized, but they never got the Holy Ghost? Or what happens if so-and-so got the Holy Ghost and they never got baptized? Or what happens if somebody got the Holy Ghost and they got baptized, and then on the way home, somebody cut them off and they sinned? Or what happens if... They got the Holy Ghost. They got baptized. They lived for 30 years, never sinned again. But then that one time they accidentally sinned that they forgot about. But they repented of it and they put it under the blood. Okay. Or what happens if somebody got the Holy Ghost, they got baptized, they started sinning every day but started repenting every day. Where are we in all this? I want to be quickened. I want to be quickened. I want to be alive unto God. Because if I know that I'm alive unto God, all those questions, they don't affect me if I'm alive unto God. Because I'm his. This, this word quicken, let's, let's read a little bit more. Chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 here. 
wherein in times past she walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's, that's today. That's, your, that's the present world. This present world is walking according to the course of the prince of the power of the air because he has reigned over that dimension, including those of us on the earth who are not quickened because he says in times past, this is who you were and this is what you did, just like people now are doing. The, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience, verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. Now, don't get confused. There's a comma there that's pretty important. Let me point it out to you. Verse 4 says he loved us, right, with his great love. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead in sins, comma, hath quickened us together. That comma separates the being dead in sin but still loved by God from the being quickened together with Christ. They don't, they don't go together, okay? He loved me while I was sinner, while I was a sinner, and while I was dead in my sin. But then he quickened me through his great love, through his power, through his grace. By grace are you saved. Now, I want to point this out. To be quickened, it says it right here more, more clearly than it does in verse 1. Quickened us together with Christ. Together with Christ. What the world tries to tell you is, Brother Martin, you were a dirty, rotten sinner. Were. You were a dirty, rotten sinner. But by grace, you got saved when you gave your heart to Christ. That's what the world says. You gave your heart to Christ, and now you're saved, and you're no longer a dirty, rotten sinner. You, 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 you prayed a prayer of acknowledgement or confirmation or acceptance or whatever it is you want to call it, and through that prayer, now he's done this for you, and he's made you this. My question is, where is the quickening in that where is the quickening together with Christ now I'm not here to try and, and and put up a straw man debate and and just leave feeling like okay well we can at least hold our hold our own in a, in a, in a debate no I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what the Bible says is really what I have done what 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 I've done confirms what the Bible says and vice versa because, yes, I was dead in sins. Yes, I was a dirty, rotten sinner. 
And yes, I did repent of those sins. And I went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, had my sins remitted. I spoke in tongues as a sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the evidence of the Spirit coming inside me. Where in that is the quickening? Or is this quickening something else? Is this something that I'm still grasping for, longing for, needing? When I need, what I need to be is alive unto God. Now, he says it right here, and it's, it's pretty clear in this passage, but the more you study, the more you see it. Quickened us together with Christ. I got a picture of the grafting of trees that we see a whole lot going on here right now, right? Uh, every, everywhere from up to Sela and beyond down all the way to the lower valley, all the trees that they're, the trees are, have been planted for quite a while. That's, that's the root system there and then a little bit of the stump that sticks up out of the ground. <laughs> and you wouldn't think it, but they have trees that are about this thick, the size of that cord, just taped around and grafted into a stump that's massive. And you think, what in, how, how is that going to help that little puny little thing grow? And then sometimes they even do that one. They do another one on this side and this side. And they got four going around in a circle there. Let me tell you the part that I play in that. I am the puny little stick. I am just something that was broke off over here. <laughs> here it is. No good for nothing. You throw it on the ground, it's going gonna, it's gonna to die. Right? But what they did is they take it and they go over to the source of life. And they graft it together with the source of life. And then I read verse 5. Even when we were dead, he loved us. And then he quickened us together with Christ. What he did was he grafted me in to the source of life. Now, this little thing, it's supposed to grow, right? There's a purpose behind what we did here with this is so that one day you might not even be able to tell the difference here where one stops and the other one starts and that this thing produces much fruit. The, the problem is if it dies again, if I die again here, nobody's going to know the difference until it's time to look for fruit. Because I can be I can be going, I can be growing along with the rest. I'm grafted in. I'm a part. Somebody taped my leg here, and I'm a part. But that that tree, that limb, that specific branch can still die. Right? I mean, that's not. Nobody has a magic tree out there that I know of that doesn't have to continue getting the source of life, that doesn't have to continue getting the strength, the sun, the water, all these elements every day, or it will die.
So what the enemy does is he'll just come along here. I see, I see a weak spot in this, in this tree. I see a weak spot. Graph, I'm not going to mess with down here because that's the strong stuff. That's where the spirit of Christ resides and, the, and all the power and the life source. But I see a weak spot shooting out right here. And it's easy enough to just go and take a little blade and nick about not even a quarter of an inch in there. Nobody knows the difference. We think that tree's still alive and healthy, and even this good branch that represents me, alive and healthy. But then it'll come back again a few days later, make another little cut. A few days later, another little cut. And before you know it, that cut is so deep that it, it's constricting what should be running up and down through that branch. The elements, the, the, the nutrients, all these different things that that branch needs to survive and grow and thrive and produce fruit, it's cut by just that one teeny little cut. And then I get to this. Then I would say, this branch is no longer quickened. This branch is no longer alive to the root because of this little disconnect right here. Will you pray with me, Jesus? God, we're longing for your will. We want to be connected, Jesus, to you. We want to know the will, God, of of the Father for us. We want to know the will of the Father for each one of us, God. Jesus, I thank you for your quickening power. Jesus, I thank you for your quickening, life-giving power. Jesus, I pray, let me pursue that quickening every day. Let me pursue that quickening, God, to where I know I'm alive in you, Jesus. To where I can feel the life, God, of the Spirit flowing through me. Operating through me, Lord Jesus. That's what I long for. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Let's pray. Pray a little bit longer. Let's just linger in his spirit here. Jesus, we're longing for you. Jesus, we're longing for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, Paul writes these, these chapters and, he, and he, he's writing to the church in a, a past tense. You were a part of that. You used to do some of these things. This conversation was a part of who you were. I'm thinking of Lot. You remember the story of Lot? It says he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. A Moses is Abraham. Abraham is praying to the Lord, spare this city. There's got to be enough righteous people in that city that you would spare that city from the destruction that you've said you're going to bring to it. 
One passage says he delivered just Lot from that city. But, but Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked because he lived in Sodom, because he lived around everything that that city represented. And we try to figure out, okay, is this present tense, past tense? Was Lot the good guy? Was he the only good guy? Why, why, would, he, why would he feel the need to dwell in Sodom? Why would he feel the need, the need to stay there? Thankfully, the Lord delivered him. Thankfully, the, the Lord brought about a way to escape the, the tragedy and the judgment that was going to fall on that city. Right? But to me, it would seem like there wasn't a whole lot of quickening power in the life of Lot. As he's living here, dwelling here in Sodom, vexed by their unrighteousness. Now, there, there, there's got to be a balance here, okay? That's, if I could pick one word that I would like to try and describe myself with, it's balanced. I mean, I know that's far off there, but it's hopeful. But lot, he, So there's got to be a balance between, okay, I can't just shut out the world, go to a commune. I did see a yurt listed on Craigslist a while back. For those of you that don't know, you can you can you can go pretty much anywhere you want to go and live anywhere you want to live if you've got enough of the stuff around but we don't we know we don't do that right we can't just we can't all take up residence in this building the city would come in and kick us out no but they're all awful out there they're terrible out there we want to be in here it's safe we want to be in here where we all love each other and nobody's going to be mad at Maybe day one. <laughs> but, but he's trying, Lot is, is dwelling among the sinners all the way up to judgment day. If I can use that term, because Abraham knew through his being alive unto God, through his communication with God, that God told him, let me show you what I'm about to do to these cities. And here's the reason why. And then Abraham decides, or, or he pleads with God, spare that city. Spare, spare these cities for, for the sake of the righteous. If you can find just 50 righteous people, spare that city. The Lord tells him, there's no way I'm finding 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, just 10. There's no way I'm finding just 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. But this is where Lot chose to dwell. If you rewind, rewind back a little bit into this story of Abraham and Lot, they reach a point, they're journeying together, they're traveling together, and they reach a point where God tells Abraham, you two have to split up. You can no longer travel together 
with as much as you have and all of your resources and as much as Lot has and all of his resources. You go there and, and your herds are going to eat up the, the pasture in just a matter of a few hours. That's not logistical. You can't do that. Your family and his family, they need to be split. And, and Abraham takes Lot and he says, I got some bad news for you, Lot. I know I enjoy the, as much as I enjoy the pleasure of your company. And as much as I enjoy all your nieces and nephews out there helping water my cattle. All, all, we're, yes, we're good for each other. There, there's not, there's not a, a, a reason for this split to say, I'm right, you're wrong, or you're doing good, you're doing bad. I'm going to go this way, you're going to go that way. No, he just says, we have to part ways. And he takes them up to a mountain and says, pick which way you want to go and I'll go the other way. Pick which way you want to go. Man, I pray that I have enough wisdom if the Lord ever puts me in that situation. Because I just want to say, Lord, here's all my stuff. There's all my stuff. You set the direction. You set the course. And I'll just do my best to hold on to the coattail and follow. Eyes closed like this. Because I don't know where you're leading me and I don't want to know. I'm just going to do what you tell. No. Lot had the choice. Which way do you want to go? Which direction are you going to set? Which direction are you going to set for your family? Which direction are you going to set for the future well-being of your children, those generations to follow you? I won't take the time to go into it, but you can look just one generation down from Lot and see the effects. Let me close with this. You can see the effects of that choice on on his children, the generations that followed him. All because he... All because he's given the ability to look around and choose which way am I going to go. Am I going to go this direction or that direction? It says he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the trouble. When when, When God puts us in such a place that we have a little bit of outlook and we can see, oh, man, it looks good over there. That's... That's the direction. That pasture looks good for my cows. That's the hill I want to build my house on. I want to be able to look in this direction and and see all the the reasons, all the decisions, all the choices that I would make. That direction looks best. Go back to that story we talked about at the beginning, the guy that had the two options for the houses to build. This one looks like the easy route. It's a nice house already. I just gotta, I'm just going to have to, you know, put a few boards in place, and then I'm going to put a price tag on it. If he was given that choice, and, and, and without seeking the Lord in prayer, without seeking the Lord's direction, will you pray with me again? Lord Jesus, Lord, we put our lives down at your feet today. Jesus, we pray for your wisdom and for your direction. Jesus, we pray for the leading of your spirit. 
Jesus, every facet, every aspect of our life, God. I pray that we seek you first about every decision. I pray that we seek you first, God, and then continually about every decision, Lord God, those things that will affect our families, those things that will affect those around us, Lord Jesus, and our position in the kingdom. Jesus, we trust you that it's your kingdom and that you have a place for us. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? Lord Jesus, come on, let's pray. Pray about your place in the kingdom right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, whatever it is you want to do with me, whatever it is, wherever you want to take me, Lord Jesus. Lord, you, you set the path. You set the course, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let me seek you. Lord, let me seek after you and your wisdom. In the name of Jesus. 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this service over to Elder Hart in just a moment, but I want to share a story with you. Just quickly, I'll let you go ahead and be seated. Most, most of you don't know this. I think maybe just a handful of people know this. But a few years ago when it became time for uh, my family to move back to Washington, man, we were, we, were in, we were in the middle of a situation, to put it lightly. And I, I knew things couldn't stay the way they were. I mean, just for the own sake of, of myself and my wife and my children, nope, this is not going to fly. It can't be like this. I didn't know what was going to be next. I didn't know exactly the steps to take or the direction that the Lord was going to put us in. I just knew something had to change. I'm, I'm praying about it. I'm seeking counsel about it. And needing the Lord's direction, because these are major decisions here. I mean, I don't even want to live tomorrow until I know what the decision is going to be on this one today. I mean, that's that kind of major decision. Anybody ever been there before in that type of a situation? Where you, you know at the end of this week something's going to be drastically different than it is right now. I mean, that type of situation. So we're praying, we're seeking the Lord about this. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, oh, let, me, let me back up for a second. Uh, uh, like I said, we were seeking uh, counsel about this. We were, we were praying about it. And we, were, we found an impartial third party, if I can put it that way. Because we have family in Washington. We have family in Memphis, where we were living. We have connections at both places. And thankfully, they care enough about us to say, we, both, we, we want you here. We want you there. I mean, it's the opposite if we didn't have both of those, right? But I, that's, for me, it's not to say, well, we got to be in one spot or the other because that's where people want us to be. And if I, if I had just taken that approach to it, you know, I'd be in, in the lot situation. Does it look better over here? Does it look better over there? 
So we, we, we decide, and, and through prayer, we start thinking, okay, we're going to test these waters. We're going to see if the Lord's direction is this and his leading. And I had got a, a call to come out and do a job interview for a, a, a job here in Washington. And it's like, okay, well, I, I believe the Lord's doing that and leading that, and he can, he can orchestrate these things. And as I'm thinking about this and praying about it, I get contacted from, a, from another pastor out of the blue. He's not in Tennessee. He's not in Washington. He's in one of the other 48 states of the United States. And he says, hey, that's a weird type. But so he says, you know, we got this place for you, for your wife, for you. We could use your help. We could, we, you would just fit right in because of your abilities, your family, all these things. And, and to me, this looked like the ideal situation, the ideal setup. This is, oh, man, I've been praying. I've been thinking about what should we do next, and, and I know we can't stay here and things can't continue like they are, so what are we going to do? And all, I keep using this word all of a sudden. The, let me just try to impart a little bit of wisdom here, segue. Whenever something happens all of a sudden, completely out of the blue, I'm just going to say stop and think about it and pray about it really hard. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. I want to say a lot more than that. But if something, if, you, if you're praying about do you need to work at McDonald's or Burger King, and they both got you good offers, and, and man, you know the Lord's going to do something in McDonald's or Burger King, and Wendy's comes and says, hey, we need you. Stop and think about that. Man, I feel the spirit of fast food. <laughs> So, so this, this pastor contacts us and tells us, we want you. We need you. This is a place for you. And I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you, it was a very intriguing notion, a very intriguing offer, if I can put it that way. And then you, you know how the mind works and the humanity. You start to visualize yourself in that situation. Man, wouldn't it be sweet if? And wouldn't it just be great if? I could do this. I could do that. They'll do this for us. And it's going to be perfect. But think, thankfully, we've learned this lesson the hard way other times in the past. Seek godly counsel especially about something this big. Now, I don't, I don't call up Elder Hart and I say, it's lunchtime and I'm looking at McDonald's on the left and Burger King on the right. <laughs> Elder, I need your input on this. Big Mac's calling my name. But that Whopper, whoo. I mean, I, I just did have a Whopper yesterday, so... No, I, I don't take it to that degree, but you just dial it back maybe half a step. I'll tell you what I'm always doing. I'm always thinking, is this something I need to be seeking counsel about? 
always. I mean, I'm trying. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not the best at it, but I'm trying to always have that mindset. Because who knows, today, this might be the day that that situation has more impact than you ever thought it might. And if I'm quickened, if I'm alive to God in such a way, he can just all of a sudden say, hey, there's, something, there, there's somebody waiting for you at, at Burger King today that needs to hear the Holy Ghost, needs to hear the word of God. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> Lord, where did, where did that come from? But, but you're, you are seeking him. Through everything that you do, you're seeking his counsel, you're, you're praying, you're seeking the will of God, the word of God. And then under the God-given authority, you, you're, you're saying, this is what I'm thinking, but I, I'm not confident enough to make that decision on my own. What do you think would have happened if Lot had turned to Abraham and said, you're the elder here. You're the, you're the one that's hearing from God every day. Where do you think I should go? Which one of these directions do you think? Uh, I'm just telling you, I don't think he'd find himself in that same situation now. Okay, let me finish our story. So we, we're, we're, we're praying about, do we move back to Washington? Do we give thought to this other offer? Do we, what do we do? And through this man of God that we were counseling with and, and, and trusting to a great degree that he's seeking the Lord as well, thankfully it, it didn't take more than just one simple text message back from him. That's what I thought. I knew it. I had a feeling. I mean, I was leaning this way too, but I was also kind of like, I was leaning this way, but I was sticking toes over this way. And, and, and I, I know that, that this is the way that we're leaning, but, you know, I'm thinking maybe he's going to tickle these toes a little bit. Maybe he's going to, yeah, what do you think would happen? Or do you, will they do this? Or maybe counter offer this? Or, you know, nope. Simple, clear, cut and dry. I'll tell you the words that he said. Do you want the will of God or do you want a job? <laughs> now, hang on a second, because we're talking about church. We're talking about a church that contacted us. Stand with me. pray again, Lord Jesus. We long for your will above all, Lord. We long for your will above all, Lord Jesus. Would you just talk to the Lord? Let it be a personal about your situation, the things that you're going through right now, the decisions to be made. I feel it in this room today. There's people that have been lingering over decisions. We have to stop. We have to seek the Lord about it. It's his will that we long for in the name of Jesus. Lord, we long for your will today.
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, the Lord has just continued to deal with us since Wednesday night and again today. About what he has to say about the matter. It's been the thread of the Holy Ghost since Wednesday night. And Brother Flowers has used the word alive unto Christ and quickened from Scripture. And my mind just keeps going back to a few weeks ago. Talked about dying to self. That really is the wrestling, you understand. The challenge with being alive unto Christ is if I'm still alive unto self. I can't have it both ways. I'm dead to self and alive unto Christ. And so the wrestling is when I try to pull it both directions. And that's where the war between wills comes. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so I feel like the Holy Ghost is being so direct. And the Holy Ghost was very direct Wednesday night as well, very specific about be careful about just trying to measure circumstances, trying to say, well, this seems like, and Brother Flowers talked through some of that. He used fast food, right? Well, I had this yesterday, so, or the circumstance in his life, well, this is very appealing. This circumstance looks good. Very careful about letting the circumstance dictate. We must hear from the Holy Ghost. We must hear from God on the matter. And then we have to be willing to act. Act. Amen. James said, faith without works is dead. Dead. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the and so I have to hear from God. When do I put my faith into action? What is, what is the working of my faith? I have faith in God. I go to a place of prayer. I wait on him to hear from him. I get direction from him. Then I act. I act. By faith, Noah built an ark. That doesn't mean, oh, God, I got faith. He can cause these boards to come together in Jesus' name. That's sometimes how we put our faith to work, right? Oh, by faith. Brother Flowers being humorous, but he used that example. Lord, I'll just hold on and you take me. You just take me. Just pull me along, Lord. The Lord's like, uh, no, it doesn't work that way. You got to hear from me. Here's, here's what I feel the Lord trying to... Um, Jolt, that's the word I'm going to use, trying to jolt in some of us. I've been in these conversations with individuals in the last week and a half. Because the Lord is trying to bring his church into action. He's trying to move us from a place of passivity. Passivity. That's where I'm just like. Oh, I'm just praying. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm praying. I'm just waiting on the Lord, waiting on. Well, what are you waiting for? Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, what you're doing is you're comfortable in your routine, and you're not interested in him telling you what your day should look like today. I'm not trying to be unkind. Sorry, that's just the way the Holy Ghost, by the way. The Holy Ghost, the Lord is trying to quicken us in this hour. 
Say, are you willing to hear from me today and act today and be the church of God today? Or are you comfortable with a routine? I'll just go through my routine today and I'll be a good Christian. I'll call myself a good Christian and tomorrow I'll get up and I'll go through my routine again and I'll be a good Christian. No, I don't want to have to hear from God for the day. And I you know, just, just want to do the good. Well, tell me what I'm supposed to do good and I'll do that. Holy Ghost, you understand he's inviting you to life. He's inviting us to life. Read the book of Acts. He's inviting you to continue the story. He's inviting us to live and walk that way. That's why, the, that's why the apostle, he wasn't an apostle. That's why the writer Luke said it this way. When he was writing the book of Acts, he started, Of all the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, not finished, began to do and to teach. Jesus began it. I'm writing it now because this is how it's going to be finished. And we read the actions of the apostles continuing what Jesus began. That's what he's wanting to do with us now. But what I have to be willing to do is allow him to shift me from where I am, which is a case if I'm not careful of me going through my routine and asking him to sort of bless every once in a while and having periodically the Lord showing up and doing something and that encourages me until it happens again versus me going, I'm no longer living for myself. What do you want today, Lord? What is your direction today? How are you directing my life today? What is your purpose for my life today? How would you use me today? You say you really think God could use you every day? You don't. You you don't. He wants to. You really think he brought us into this world so we could live 70 years, breathe air, eat food, work a job, go through the motions of a rat race, and then die and be a good Christian along the way so we can call heaven? Really? He wants to use you and I every single day. And he's inviting us to this, and it starts by hearing from him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank the Lord together today. He loves us so much that he's reaching to us. He loves us so much that he's reaching to us. And he's trying to provoke something in our spirit so that we'll not just settle. That we'll not just settle. In the name of Jesus, Lord, according to your word, I want to be alive unto you. This quickening of your spirit in my heart and in my soul. Let it be daily, Father. Let me find a closet of prayer until each day this quickening work of your spirit is operative in our lives. And you do what you will and want with us for your glory and for your purpose, God. That you would be glorified. That you would be exalted. That men would be drawn to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray your grace upon the people of God. That we walk according to the will and the calling of God daily. Impacting and affecting these valleys according to your design. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God started with 12 men turned the world upside down.
Who knows what he could do with his valleys of 250,000 people if he turns 50 people over. Amen? It's not about numbers to him. Amen. God bless you. Somebody rescue the children. Greet somebody and we'll have a baptismal service for a minute. In Jesus' name. Feel free to greet your brother, your sister, and we'll let you know when we have these young people ready. And Amen.